Good evening, everyone. It's Necro Thursday, and that can only mean that it's time for the Necromaniacs Horror Podcast. How's it going, Mike? It is going well. As Mr. Hill just said, you're listening to Necromaniacs Podcast, coming to you every single Thursday. It is mid-April. My allergies are raging. I've got the, the the watery eyes, but you know what? It's worth it because, you know, I like spring. Spring means summer is is around the corner, Mike. Yeah, man. Uh, it felt like summer already happened actually last week, man. It was like pretty, pretty <laughs> yes, un- just out of nowhere. It was like hot, but now it's a little more seasonal, I think. Yeah, a little more normal. Um, but yeah, like these allergies, like like right now, like I'm near the window, um, you know, my desk. And it's like, oh yeah, spring is here. Got to take some 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 over the counter stuff. But uh, I like the good weather, man. I mean, I, winter was mild as hell, but I'm glad spring has arrived. Um, how you doing, Mike? How you feeling? Doing all right. You know, it's uh, you know, stuff's going on in my life right now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but, yeah. You know, but that's, uh, <laughs> that's that's just how it's just how it goes sometimes. You know. But I'm making, no, I'm making totally. the best out of it. Well, I want to tell you, I you know, I usually listen to every episode that I'm not on, of course, as a good co-host. Uh-huh. But I did not listen to more than the first 10, 15 minutes of the Knock at the Cabin episode because I have not seen Knock at the oh, Cabin. Oh, yeah. No, that's 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 probably a good move because we, we really yeah. spoil the hell out of it. Yeah. <laughs> right. So that's that's on the docket uh for this week for sure um because i do want to see it I'm, I'm kind of excited to see it and uh yeah so i avoided the episode it's also uh probably good to mention that as we record this this is the mm-hmm. eve of the release of the new evil dead uh movie yes yeah so any you know the next couple of days we're a couple of days away from that movie being out in the theaters and i am going to see it however I think I have kind of low expectations for it. Yeah, judging by some of our prior conversations and some of you and Jeff's prior conversations, it sounds like you do have low expectations. I am a little more enthusiastic about it. Many moons ago, Mike and I saw the the remake from, uh, I guess, 10 years ago, right? Um, And I actually enjoyed that. However, I have not watched that perhaps in about nine years. And I may just give that a watch just to, you know, just for shits and giggles. Um, I know this new one is its own it's its own thing, and that may or may not harken back to the OG like that remake did, you know, at that little moment towards the end or whatever. But I do feel like all of these are a part of one big Evil Dead universe. That I mean, they have their own stories going on and maybe their own timelines, but I do feel like it's a part of one big Evil Dead stew. Would you agree? Possibly. I mean, I think yeah. Maybe, maybe the whole Deadites thing, you know, is like a mm-hmm. part of like a uh, you know a storyline, you know, that might connect everything. You know, right. That's kind of a cool idea. I mean, and and yeah. this one, who knows? May again, there may be some something at the end or something hidden in it. You know, that goes. Oh, okay. The one in the early '80s actually happened. Or I like when that kind of shit happens. You know, right? Well, I really enjoyed the TV show, though. Remember that from a few years ago? That was fun. I, I actually, I never, like, finished it. But every time I watched it, like, I enjoyed it. So maybe I, I should also 
check that out once again as well. Yeah, I was really into it. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, a lot of people are talking about it. Some people really love the trailers, and, and then some people don't love the trailers. I mean, I do think it is going to do pretty well, though, Mike, uh, as far as uh, financially. Yeah, horror is hot right now, and it's a slick new movie. You know, it looks great. You know, people are going to go see it for sure. I, I, I agree with that. Yeah. I might watch it. I might go this weekend, actually. I'm pretty sure I'm going to go this weekend by myself, you know. Yeah. Um, and then today, uh, we're taping this on, on a Tuesday, uh, the 18th of April, um, to, to, to break the wall or whatever. We learned that uh, a movie that we championed here on the podcast is, is, is getting remade uh, in, in America, uh, the... The, the Dutch film uh, that was uh, was one of those ones that we we all kind of didn't see for our best of list for last year, or did Jeff manage to see it? I'm a little, I, my memory's a little fuzzy. Though I, I saw it last year. I, actually, Jackie Jackie was the one who recommended it. Jackie Smith of the Into the Necrosphere podcast, and right. um, and I checked it out under his recommendation, and I was like, man, what an uncomfortable movie, you know. Uh, and the movie we are talking about, kids, is uh, Speak No Evil. Uh, it's quite the roughy, as they say. It's a roughy. And yeah, it's getting in a, an American remake with uh, star James McAvoy uh, is going to be one of the roles. Um, you know, a part of me when I found this out was like, this is a little soon. But then I, I was uh, r reminded that, you know, the whole let the right one in, let me in thing was pretty much, you know, right on top of each other as well, Mike. Yeah, but you know what, man? I just wish people would read subtitles, you know? It's... it's um <laughs> Right, that's my... Yeah. Right. I mean, the original movie has, like, such a European feel to it, you know? It's like, uh -huh. it has, you know, the, the Scandinavian people are very, very... Um, you know, they're polite, and the Dutch guy is, like, real, like, like this kind of libertine, you know what I mean? It's just like... yeah. It's very much, it's very European, the story. And I just, I'm afraid that if they try to tell it like in an in, in American back backdrop, it's not going to work as well, you know? Yeah, it was a Danish family and a Dutch family. And listeners, they spoke in English in that movie. Uh, it was not even, I mean. Oh, that's right. There, yeah. There yeah, yeah, that's right. It was in English. So why, it wasn't even subtitled. <laughs> yes, there were subs when they spoke in their native tongues. That was the only time there were subs. But largely, the movie is in English. Um, but you know what, man? Now I'm. This just hit me. I'm starting to wonder. Like, I really hope they don't make it like a whole, you know, left wing family and a right wing family nonsense. Because of course, this is America, and you know, I mean, I'm hoping that there's way more meat on the bone with this, you know, uh, because the the idea in the original of mixing the two different European cultures. I thought was really cool, but if this is an American movie, who? I mean, I don't know. Now I'm a little nervous. It's gonna have like a coastal elite and some redneck from like Tennessee, right? Or something like that. And like I don't know. It's like that's been done to death. But if they are sticking to the script, uh, it, that aspect has certainly not been done to death. The the horrificness of the film, right? No, oh, yeah, it was very. That movie was like its own thing, in my opinion. But who knows? It's all speculation. Uh, yeah, it'll probably be out next year or late this year or who the hell knows. But yeah, Speak No Evil is getting remade. 
I'm, um, I'm not. I don't back it, man. Honestly. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. James McAvoy's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah he, he's cool. Yeah. But the the idea, I'm not behind though. Right. Right. Um. We got to do the plugs, Michael. That's right. We do, man. We can't forget our our, our family. You know, the family. We can't forget the family. We cannot. Um, we are part of a group, a gang, so to speak, a crew of fellow podcasters, the the horsemen of the podcasting apocalypse, uh, coming at you nearly every day of the week. And if you're supporting us, you should be supporting them. And uh, on Monday, who do we got on Monday, Mike? On Monday, we kick things off with Brandon Legion's Horror Wolf 666, which is a uh, horror podcast like this one. But he focuses mm -hmm. on interviews, and uh, he's talking to a bunch of different people. He had Mick Garrison. Did you know that, Mike? Yes. That's really cool, man. That was, Mick tremendous. Garrison. That was a tremendous yeah. episode. So that's, yeah. that, that's the kind of thing he does. He talks to people, and, um, and he does a great job. And, he's got, and so also, we have been all guests on each other's shows, so you never know when we're going to be on the show, too. That is true. That is true. Coming at you on Tuesday into the necrosphere your one-stop shop for all things extreme metal right mike that is 100 percent correct and uh the only other metal podcast i listen to is uh big wills podcast the heavy hole coming out of long island new york and uh oh nice yeah that's a good one man you should check that one out too um you know it's funny a listener asked me if i ever found what i was looking for like <laughs> a death metal podcast that was suit suiting of my case, and I told him I did not. Um, so, who knows? I mean, uh, listeners, please recommend to me good death metal podcasts that perhaps skew a bit with some of the older bands, or maybe do deep dives on some old records. I like that kind of shit. But yeah, that is coming to you every Tuesday into the Necrosphere. Um, coming at you on Wednesday. We have the mothership, so to speak. Mike Hill's very own Everything Went Black podcast. Right, Mike? Yes, and and that is uh, a very eclectic kind of thing. Um, not a whole lot of metal on there because I figure Jackie's got that covered. But uh, mm -hmm. it's a lot of different stuff, man. A lot of variety of different musicians, filmmakers, you know, everything. Josh Barnett was on, you know, the MMA fighter, UFC, former UFC yeah. champion. You know, a bunch of you, you never know what you're going to get from week to week. So, <laughs> so it's, you know, that's the awesome. kind of thing, you know. Uh, that is coming at you every Wednesday. On Thursday, while you're listening to it right now, it is the Necromaniacs podcast, the greatest horror podcast in the world. Nine years running, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, coming at you. On Friday, Mike, what do we got on Friday? We have uh, your your brother, your brother's podcast, John Draper. Yes. And Break the mm -hmm. Apocalypse, which is... Uh, yes, yeah. very funny, very funny, always topical, sometimes controversial, Break the Apocalypse podcast. Check it out. Um, I would say, out of our crew, it is, it is probably the most different from what the rest of the crew is, but you know what? We like it just like that. You know, we, we, you got to mix it up, Mike, right? I agree. I agree. Yeah. Uh, on Saturday, go see a show, go to a restaurant, go to the park, get outside, read a book maybe. Uh, but on Sunday, make sure you're back for the final member of the crew, uh, Carl Hikara's own Soul Knox podcast, Mike. 
that's one that covers all sorts of dark and esoteric stuff. And right now, Carl and I are doing a collaboration called Darkness Weaves. And uh, the first mm-hmm. episode was on Solmox. And it's uh, we're going to be covering the work of Carl Edward Wagner, the uh, horror and dark fantasy writer who is kind of obscure and should be way more popular than he is. So we're going to be going through short story collections and all that sort of stuff. Very cool. That's awesome. You know, it's funny. Uh, uh, the, one of the prior podcasts, I had mentioned that I got Mary San Giovanni's uh, Alien book. Yeah. And apparently it sold so well that it is now out of print. Like they think they're, they're, that whole first like run of it, Mike, oh, is wow. basically gone. Damn. So... Yeah, that uh, Brian Keane mentioned that in his uh, his newsletter that he said if you're gonna if you're finding it now you're very lucky because it, it it's you know it is gonna get reprinted, but it'll take a, a little bit for that. So uh, yeah, that's that was really nice to hear, man. Because uh, I like when people that I appreciate and respect and you know who who come you know from the underground do well. Mike, you know, I picked that up on Kindle, so uh, so mm-hmm. I, I've definitely lost out on having a hard copy of that one. Yeah, no, it, it'll come back at some point, but it is good to hear that that initial, that whole initial run, like the physical copies, is uh, is sold out, which is awesome. Um, as far as other shit you're checking out, Mike, anything, anything, movies, books, TV? Well, as far as you know, I haven't really watched anything since a couple since last week, man. As far as um, you know, movies or anything, but I got. Well, I'll tell you what I did do is I bought. Just showed up, the Blue Underground Dead and Buried Blu-ray. Nice. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Yeah, which kind of fits in what we're talking about tonight. And uh, yeah, you know, I just uh, been looking for a new place to live. I'm going to be moving to a different town uh, in New Jersey, yep. and uh, I spent some time up in uh, Jersey City at the um, the Grove Street pop up. It was like a record. Oh, awesome. Yeah, like a record convention. A mutual friend of ours, uh, Jen Jones, was. Um, uh-huh was DJing, and uh, I bought, like, I don't know, $200 worth of records. So, yeah, it was, it was cool. <laughs> hey, I saw your your haul on Instagram, and uh, you got some cool shit, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was, it's 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 a harbinger of, I think, uh, my potential time in that city. I think it's going to be it's gonna be a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of fun in Jersey City. So, yeah, that's good. You know what? That is a cool way to look at it, Mike. That's actually a very cool way to look at it. I yeah. like that. Yeah, you yeah know? definitely. You know, I'm, I'm uh, moving out away from the hinterlands out here into a more uh, urban <laughs> urban environment all right all right um so yeah in the past week like uh stella and i uh we we were gonna go to morbid angel but we did not go that was like on tuesday but we did go on wednesday to see uh cerebral rot and dead congregation by <sighs> saint Mike. yeah man which was awesome uh you know one of those weeknight sold out shows of vitus it's funny like we noticed like the vibe at, at these shows it was it was like saturday on wednesday you know like everybody's like drinking and having fun and it's like oh shit i work tomorrow but you know you're not really thinking about that as you're having your good time and yeah. listening to the music and but uh yeah they, they have a lot of those shows because i mean hey you know bands are touring and sometimes the tour routing you know every night can't be friday or saturday so this show is on a wednesday um, yeah, and it, it, it was a good one, man. I hadn't seen Dead Congregation since you and I saw them 10 years ago or 11 years ago, whenever that was, at the uh, Martyr Doom Festival. 
Um, yeah. And yeah, Caribe Rock was awesome. Uh, I caught them last year at Vitus. It was uh, a good time. I saw a dead congregation another time when they played in New York at uh, that uh, that spot yes. in Brooklyn. They you know played with Ruins of Beaverhead. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. That was, yep. And I you know what, man? That. I wanted I wanted a new record by them, dude. Uh, I believe that's going to happen. Okay, it's been a <laughs> so, while. It's been yeah. a while since they put out an album, man. I need I need a, a new very long time. Yeah. Um, they played uh, Dead Congregation played a new one new song, and of course it was awesome. So, um, yeah, there's some other shows coming up on the horizon. Like uh, Spectral Wound is playing at the end of May at Vitus, and in early May there's the, the really cool Blood Incantation Immolation Obituary Tour coming to town. Oh yeah. So. Uh, I'll, we'll be going to that. Um, we got tickets for Love and Rockets at oh, King's Theater, which oh, should cool. be fun. And two other King's Theater shows is Emperor and Sisters of Mercy. So I'll I'll, I'll be at that club uh, quite a bit uh, in the, in the coming months. Huh. Yeah, I got I got Emperor tickets, so that's going to be good. Yeah, this is the year of like mucho shows and touring, huh? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on, which is cool. And, um, you know, I'm going to a lot of it. Some of it I'm missing, but, you know. Yeah, you can't go to everything. And uh, just a little pluggity plug. Uh, also saw our buddies uh, Black Anvil with Insomnium and Enslaved uh, a week or so ago. Last week, actually. That was fucking awesome. At uh, Irving Plaza. Uh, they're on the road right now across the USA. So if you can, go see Black Anvil with Enslaved. And uh, tell Paul that Mike and Mike said hello. Yeah, right, Mike? That's right. And Rafe, too. <laughs> and Rafe, yes. Uh, of course, of course. Support Black Anvil. Friends of the show, Mike, right? Yeah. Friends of the show. And uh, former uh, Tombs guitar player uh, Matt Medeiros is playing uh, second guitar for, for Black Anvil right now. Yeah, he actually he did a great job, man. Uh, uh, he's was, a tremendous player, man. It's perfect. I saw them. the first, uh, first show. New York was the first date and his first gig with them so yeah that was awesome uh we could talk about our our voicemail and our phone number that is seeing some action listeners right mike that's right that's right uh that number is 908-913-0782 and uh mm -hmm. this week we got patrick from new haven and um you know he's a, a fan listener fan of the show listener yeah yeah What's up, guys? This is uh, Patrick from uh, near New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, Long-time listener, <clears throat> big fan of the show. Really the only, one of the only uh, horror podcasts I listen to. Um, I just had a couple of recommendations. I'm not sure if you guys, uh, I had a theme going here, uh, a dead theme, but I couldn't think of another, uh, a third one that had the word dead in it. <laughs> but, so, a movie called uh, Dead Man's Shoes with uh, Patty Considine. Uh, I forget when it came out, early 2000s or something like that. In 2010, I don't know. Uh, maybe you've heard of it. It's kind of horror-ish, uh, thriller, suspense, whatever. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's pretty good. I don't know if I'd give it like a, you know, three and a half, four, something like that. Uh, something you might be interested in. Uh, to continue with my, uh, uh, dead theme, uh, band called Dead Horse out of, uh, Pasadena, Texas. Not the, uh, recently kind of reformed half-ass, uh, version of Dead Horse, but the original. They only put out two albums. 
with the original singer-songwriter Michael Haga. Uh, it's pretty good shit, in my opinion. And uh, like I said, I couldn't think of another third dead. I wanted to recommend a book. <laughs> it's off the top of my head, but uh, I know uh, Mike Hill, I think you're not really into true crime, but uh, this one reads almost more like a like a fucking horror novel or something. It's uh, it's called uh, Murder Machine, and it's about uh, the Roy DeMeo crew. Uh, it's like uh, they were associated with the Gambino crime family. Uh, it was back in like the like I don't know, eight, I think seventies and eighties when they were doing all this stuff. But they they're responsible for you know I don't know hundreds of murders apparently and just brutal murders and they're just going like the details. Uh, it's pretty it's pretty frightening shit in my opinion. Uh, check it out or don't, whatever. Uh, enjoy the podcast and, uh, you know, I look forward to hearing some more. Take care, guys. Have you seen Dead Man's Shoes? No. And to be perfectly honest, I have not even heard of the film. It's one of those like hard ass British crime movies. Mm -hmm. you, know, you know what I mean? Uh, where uh, I, I haven't seen it yet, but uh, people that, um, are into that style of film have recommended this one as being a great movie to see. So it's, it's, I, I actually, after a Pat Patrick, um, recommended this, I ordered the Blu-ray. Mm -hmm. So the Blu-ray should be here in a couple of days. Cause I've been meaning to watch it for months. And, uh, and now this gave me motivation to check it out. And, uh, you know, okay. It, Is it not streaming or you just wanted the, the hard copy anyway? I wanted the hard copy cause this had like commentary and also my buddy, uh, Selden, Selden Hunt, the, uh, uh -huh. The, the artist Selden Hunt, some of you guys might know yeah. him. I know that name, yes. Australia. Mm -hmm. He highly recommended this movie. He gave it a hard recommendation on it. So this was uh, extra motivation to buy the Blu-ray. So that's coming soon. Sick. That's cool. Uh, my Blu-ray buying has taken quite a hit as of lately because I've just been watching things on streaming. But uh, yeah, there are, there are some things I would like to pick up. There's a huge, huge Kino Lorber sale going on still. Uh, for like another day or two that uh, I, I may dip my toes into that because uh, they have a lot of cool shit spanning the decades and spanning the genres. So um, there's always like a blue underground sale going on. Rennie uh, Starkweather alerted us to one and I was like, oh shit, you know, I think, I think physical products are, are taking a bit of a hit, you know, currently. So I feel like you'll see more sales just to move the product, you know? That's what motivated me to get the uh, Dead and Buried Blu-rays, that sale that Rennie told us about. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, Blue Underground is, is fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, and it could tie us into tonight because, of course, Blue Underground has uh, this film available on, on Blu-ray currently. And that movie is none other than Death Dream from one of our favorite directors, Mr. Bob Clark. Right, Mike? Yes. And also, Mike from Telford, Pennsylvania. He also gave this a hard recommendation for us to check out and to do an episode on. And, you know, so we can also thank Mike for uh, pointing us in the direction of this film, even though I, I yeah. believe you and I have been talking about doing this for a while, actually. We actually have, uh, privately, as they say. And, you know, I, I want to pretty much see all of Bob Clark's movies that I have not seen yet. I may skip Baby Geniuses and uh, Baby Geniuses 2. However, I will see some of the other ones I have not seen, you know. Um, 
Yeah, we talked about him quite a bit on our episode about children shouldn't play with dead things, uh, which I really hope all of you listeners checked out, and, and I think some of you did. But, um, you know, to, to give a bit of a, a summation of this guy's career again, I mean, the diversity, Mike, there's the word, real diversity in his film canon is something you don't really see. Uh, you know, he starts out with a, a, a movie called She-Man, uh, into Children Should Have Play With Dead Things, into uh, Executive Producing Deranged, which is a great horror movie. And then he directs, in the same year, Black Christmas, and the movie we're talking about tonight, Death Dream, in 1974. He does uh, Breaking Point, Murder by Decree, which is a, a you know thriller mystery. And then he gets into the teen sex craze of the early 80s, teen sex comedy craze, <laughs> of course, uh, starring the Porky's franchise, directing Porky's 1 and 2. And again, diversity. In the same year he directs Porky's 2, he directs Christmas Story. Isn't that hilarious? Very different <laughs> films. Yes. Yeah. Um, Can you imagine if they tried to make Porky's now, or if they if they tried to screen Porky's in this in environment that we live oh in right now? Oh my God! Be in, forget it. They would burn down the theater. That'd yeah, be riots. Um, <laughs> but you know what, though, things look, man. Things can be cyclical, right? And there could very well be a return of teen sex movies, like we did see in the late nineties. Remember, you know, with the American Pie and all those ripoffs of American Pie. Um, now people see that movie and shriek at horror, but you know, the, the real shrieks of horror, you could say began in the early eighties with these films. And some of these films are excellent. Some of them are not, uh, Porky's is definitely one of the good ones. At least the first one is, um, and you know, he does other things. He goes to the baby genius stuff. He does this, you know, quirky movie popcorn from 1991, which I, I think is a good movie. Um, and Right around the time uh, of the remake craze, uh, he, he he is about to be involved in, uh, you know, Black Christmas, and, and there's rumors about him doing some other things, and sadly, uh, he loses his life uh, to a drunk driver, uh, him and his son. So, a very tragic ending. Uh, he dies on April 4th, 2007, and uh, yeah, you know, it, it really sucks because w watching all these horror movies... And then you learn that he was kind of about to make his return to horror. You think about what could have been, right? Yeah, it's really sad, definitely. So, uh, yeah, there, there's our little Bob Clark uh, 101. Um, didn't didn't want to do a, a full dive again because we did talk about it on the children shooting play with dead things episode that you should check out, listeners. But tonight is about Death Dream, which is basically his fourth film from 1974. Um, let's see. Here's some, some, some 101. Uh, of course, it was directed by Mr. Bob Clark. Screenplay by his buddy, Alan Ormsby, uh, again, uh, who worked with him on Children Shouldn't Play with Dead Things. Produced by Bob Clark. Um, cinematography by Jack McGowan. Uh, had some creepy music by a Carl Zitcher, because, of course, it's a creepy 70s movie. Uh, release date of August 30th, 1974. 88 minutes shot in beautiful florida usa uh with a budget of three hundred thousand dollars um the cast we've got john marley as charles brooks 
Lynn Carlin as Christine Brooks, Richard Backus as Andy Brooks, Henderson Forsyth as Doc Allman, Anya Ormsby as Kathy Brooks. Of course, Anya played that cool role in Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things. Uh, Jane Daly as Joanne, also in uh, Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things. Mike, did you recognize her? Of course, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, Jack Walls. I, like uh, I mean, the uh, bot John Marley was from uh, The Godfather. Yes, that's right. He was the, horse, right. Head, the horse head guy, Jack Walls. Uh, the director. Oh, my God, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, he's the dad. Charles Brooks is Andy's dad. Uh, the movie's basically about Andy. Of course, we'll get into that. But, yeah, John Marley, uh, the director who, uh, who has this really great line about, uh, you know, the women he bangs or something and i and some derogatory italian comments of course but we all know our godfather so we won't have to get into that um yeah shot in brooksville florida in the fall of 1972 uh if you're paying attention to bob clark's career uh he also shot children shouldn't play with dead things in florida and the porkies films in florida mike florida man yeah it's the move it's the bob clark move Interesting thing about Richard Backus, who plays the star in this. And first of all, well, and we'll get into his strong performance, but he was only in two movies. Most of his career was in soap operas. Yes, I learned that uh, the other day, doing a little deep dive, uh, to see that his, his IMDb for acting is two movies. Uh, this movie, in 1974, his first film, and a movie called The First Deadly Sin from 1980. Um, which was a crime thriller, which had Frank Sinatra in it and Faye Dunaway. How about that? Wow. wow. I, I've never seen that movie. Yeah, the first Deadly Sin. Interesting. Um, but yeah, like you said, uh, most of his career was spent in uh, soap operas. Um, you know, he was uh, Lovers and Friends, Another World. Uh, he won, uh, he was nominated for a Daytime Emmy in 1981. Um, you know, Different kind of career, One Life to Live, uh, did some writing, you know, different career. Man is still alive today at 78, Michael. Oh, good for him. Good for him. Good for him. Um, of course, like all great movies, this movie had a few other titles, uh, one of them being Dead of Night, right? And I believe there's a third title in this movie, Uh at, at the very beginning, oh man, I'm trying to think if I oh if I wrote it down. The Nightwalker. I, I like, yes, Nightwalker. Yes, uh, but most people do know this movie as Death Dream. Um, but I, I wonder what the, you know when they were kicking around the ideas, how they landed uh, on like there's a Dead of Night poster, you know. Actually, the Blue Underground Blu-ray. When you put the film on, that's what shows up as the title like when when they roll the credits it's it's the title is uh is the dead of night yeah so perhaps in in what is it 74 theatrically that is the name some people saw this movie as and then death dream perhaps came later or was screened in other places this death dream i mean you know it's it, it's it's hilarious how movies ran the, the circuit across america especially small films uh it's almost as if a, if a theater or the distributor didn't like the title, they gave it their own just for the fuck of it. <laughs> yeah, 
Death you Dream know? is definitely a sicker title for this movie, though, I think. Yes. Um, Dead of Night doesn't say anything. What's Dead of Night? Like, you know, I mean, it, it, I mean yeah, it's kind of cool, you know. But Death Dream is cooler. However, <laughs> that title, if you really think about it, doesn't also completely say much here because the like what's with the dream you know there's i mean this movie is not about dreams you know like it's not about there's no freddy krueger-esque moments in this movie no but you know it's funny man like i've seen this movie maybe three times over the course mm -hmm. of the years you know obviously i watched it again for the show but um this is a movie that has stayed with me man like it's such a heavy film and it's almost like because it has basically this movie is like a riff on um the monkey's paw like that uh, yes, uh ww paw. jacobs uh short story where um you have these wishes and someone wishes someone to return from the dead and they come back like different than the what what they were in life in in the monkey's paw it's like this mutilated person comes back and like this is kind of a right. riff on that so in some ways I, I read it as being like you know that his death was a was like this dream and he I don't you know what I mean it's like okay. it's okay. kind of like this like more you know esoteric I guess like read read on on the title and I always thought that the title kind of resonated a little bit that that way okay I get that um the other thing about this movie is that there's a bit of an anti-violence uh anti-war vibe right would you say to this I mean it's not i mean it's not a huge part of the movie you know it's a part of the story uh andy brooks is a soldier in vietnam who in 1972 while the war is still going on is basically shot and allegedly killed during the war um and you know and he comes back home and then there's this whole thing about how you know the mother says not everyone gets to come back home uh but apparently before he, w he was shipped off he made this promise to his mother that he would come back and mom's a little nutty let's just get it out there and um, you hear her voice as he gets shot at the very beginning of the movie saying andy you'll come back you've got to you promised and i guess that kind of sets everything in motion because lo and behold listeners andy does surprise surprise come back home even though he has been killed in combat, right, Mike? Yeah, and even there's even uh, a scene where the um the guy the guy from the military comes and tells their family that he was that he was killed in action. Uh, yeah, back in the day, listeners, this this was a, a real thing. If you were killed in combat, uh, they would uh, the army or whatever service you served in, a representative of that service would come to your home or your parents' home or whatever and inform your family that you were gone. So uh, that was that, that was something that actually really happened, Michael. How do they do that now? They just like text you or something like that. You know, that's a good. It, it, it could be an email. It could oh, be God, a tweet. Man. It could be a DM. Um, but you know what? I don't know how they do it now. Who the hell knows, Mike? They could still do a version of that now, like that. How about that? Who knows? You know, uh, I don't know. Luckily, none of my friends have died in combat. And I, I would gather none of yours of no. friends have done. No, I don't know anyone who's so, killed yeah. in combat. No, so I don't know how that how they currently notify, but that is definitely how they did it back in the day in Vietnam. 
Um, so, yeah, there was some truth to that scene. So, yeah, the family is notified that Andy has been killed and the mother is a wreck. But the mother kind of doesn't believe it. Like, the, the sister and the father have kind of resigned to that it's happening and they're sad and they're crying or whatever. They're upset. But the mom just gets real erratic. And it's like, no, he's not. He's alive. And you know what I'm saying? Which, again, makes you just think about that very, very beginning scene where you hear her voice after he's been shot saying, you know, you, you promise and you're going to come back. And what's funny is for like a moment there as I was watching the movie, I kind of forgot about that, Mike. Like I forgot about that, her, her moment in the beginning of the movie. So I guess, listeners, you kind of need to really pay attention to that because it's kind of important, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and also the thing about this movie, too, which kind of gets under your skin is also it's like the, the family drama element of it where it's like, hmm. you know how like parents and their children, you know, the love of the parents and the children is like they they will tell themselves that certain things are are, are not real, like they go into this delusional world, you know. I mean, you, you've seen it in real life where like maybe, maybe there's like one of the kids is like on drugs or something and the mom refuses to believe it, you know, and that's the, the feel. Right. It's like this very realistic thing where the mother's delusional, the fam, the dad's like, you know, accepting of it because the dad, dad was also a vet, you know, and then the sister right. is kind of, too, yeah. it's like such an interesting dynamic in there. And it really, this movie really digs into the family dynamics, which I've, found very very heartbreaking actually in this movie it's kind of like when there's a family it's in real life and the son or daughter's a piece of crap and the mother or father refuses to believe that their child's a piece of crap yeah right. exactly, exactly it's, yeah. Like, it's like that yeah it's, or that they're like an arch criminal or that they're a drug addicts yeah that, you know it's saying? that like, same vibe you know. you know except that in this case andy andy's just a guy who got killed in action and then you know he comes back. He just shows shows up again one day whole and not dead. Yeah, he, he arrives late that night after that same night that they've been informed that he's dead, you know, via the the service representative. Um, but he's very, uh, like, Stepford, right? Robotic, kind of. He's very, he's not like his normal self, although we don't really see the, we don't see the pre-version of him at all, really. No. Um, but the father notices right away and the sister kind of notices that this is not really Andy. Like, what's up? But of course, mom, no, everything's fine and everything's great. And right. And, uh, you know, um, what's interesting is how he made it back home. He, uh, he, he gets picked up by a truck driver. You know, he, he hitchhikes as many people did in the seventies listeners. Um, doesn't, no one really does that now. Uh, that's something from the seventies, never making a comeback hitchhiking. Um, and of course, you know, that truck driver gets killed by Andy. Um, and it's kind of like, there's a vampire angle to this movie. Michael, what do you think? Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I was picking up too. Like, it's not like a traditional vampire where he can't come out at, you know, he can only come out at night, and, but he's like drinking blood basically. He's essentially drinking blood, but it's, it's kind of a combo vampire zombie in a way because he has come out of a grave, right? He's like arisen from the dead. And in order to regenerate like kind of Hellraiser style, he has to like 
eat a dude. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah. drink the blood. So it is a, it is kind of a literal combo zombie vampire, which is interesting. Yes, definitely. It's a little bit of both, uh, folks. So you got uh, two two horror tropes going on here in your fun 70s film. Um, so yeah, you know, Andy just kind of like sits in his room and doesn't say much and he loves the rocking chair and he kind of rocks back and forth. And again, mom is completely thinking everything is fine. The dad is like, what the fuck is going on with my son? Right. Actually, there's one um, thing that when the night that he comes back, which were, um, you know, the father is like, the military says that he was dead. And then Andy was like, I was. I was, yes. And they think and he's a course, joke, but it's totally, like, serious. <laughs> yes, he was dead serious, and they all laugh at him. And it is the most bizarre laugh sequence I think I've ever seen in film. Would you agree? Real disturbing. It goes on for, like, just a, a little too long. And the, and the <laughs> angles are all weird, and it's just yes. fucking uncomfortable. It's, like, very effective. Dude, Bob Clark was fucking great. Um, it was just... It, for listeners who've never seen it, you, you're in for a treat during the laugh scene, is what I refer to it as. If you've seen the movie, you know exactly what we're talking about. It is a very creepy, long, uncomfortable moment in the film. Uh, another very creepy and uncomfortable moment in the film is one of my least favorite things in a horror movie, and that is the death of a dog. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, even though. I am going to assume it was not a real dog, although it was the 70s, and who the fuck knows, unfortunately, <laughs> will never know. Um, I'm going to say Bob Clark was not a vicious animal like Dan Dotto was, and I'm going to say that it was probably a fake dog. However, th there is a real dog in the movie. I'm just hoping the scene where it is choked to death is, is a fake dog, and I'm going to say it was a fake dog, just to make myself feel better. But man, I fucking hate when that happens in a movie, Mike. I don't like when animals get killed either. For sure, I don't. Me? Oh, the worst. Like, the whole, that first John Wick. Oh, I hate that. Um, speaking of John Wick, I need to see John Wick 2, 3, and 4, Michael. You know? Oh, they're good, uh, I I man. Yeah, they're fun. Mm. Uh, yeah, little side note. I have not seen any of them other than the first one. Uh, so you've learned something new about one of your co-hosts tonight. Um... So, yeah, he kills the dog, like, just because the dog is, like, barking at him while these kids from the neighborhood who haven't seen him in years because he's been in Vietnam, you know, are coming over to him and saying, hey, how you doing? And I was the war, and look, I know karate now. Like, you know, these, these typical, you know, 70s kids from the neighborhood, right, Mike? Yeah, and he kind of abuses the one that, uh, that <laughs> said he knew karate. He gets him in some sort of uh, hold. You know. Yes, yes. And then the dog comes over and barks and he just grabs the dog and he fucking kills it. And of course, the you know, it, it's funny. The dad, you know, learns about the dog, but the dad initially doesn't even tell the mother or the sister about the dog right away. Right. Yeah. And that and that's the dad is the first one to catch on to what's going on with with. With yes. Andy. And it's the same shit as that goes on in like a family. Like, you know, there, there might be something wrong with the son and the dad keeps it from the mother. And then there's tension. You know what I mean? It's like a very, the family dynamics in this film are very realistic, I thought. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that it has it has that again that kind of seventies drama to it vibe going on, mixed in with the horror. I mean, it's definitely a horror film. There are violent scenes in it, you know, but it's also a fairly effective, you know, family drama where uh, one parent is completely in denial about uh, the the activities of one of the children, Mike. Yeah. Yeah, and you know the mother is like off, you know, and and that's the thing too. It's like the mother. I mean, if you just for for a second think about a war, and they take your son, and he gets drafted, and they send him over overseas to you know fight, like that that would fucking crush a lot of people. Like if that was oh, like yeah. you know what I mean. Like the, of course the mother's like you know out of her mind. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, look, it it did crush thousands of families in america in, in in the you know late 60s and 70s um many from you know who went to vietnam did not make it home and then, yeah, it t- definitely touches on that in this movie and again the other thing it touches on is what you are when you do come home yeah so bob clark has got he's got a couple of things going on here which again the sign of a guy who can write a good movie and a good story and just a fucking masterful director in my opinion of of genre films bob clark you know straight up yeah in this case the guy comes back and he's literally a monster you know oh yeah an undead monster (laughs) yeah yes so it's funny like you know children shouldn't play with dead things you've got i guess again the, the post romero new horror zombie thing going on with his own humorous touch on it right mm-hmm. um and again like a little bit of a post manson thing going on but this movie focuses on another topic of the day which to me you know the vietnam war and, and what you're like when you come home and what happens when you don't come home so yeah just definitely really fucking cool man cool cool story different you know um and you're getting a little ahead here. Sure enough, this movie was also apparently about to get a remake, but it fell through the cracks, unfortunately. Could you see this being remade? Uh, I could see it, but I don't know if I necessarily want it to be remade. Right. I think Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things is a way more interesting remake idea than this movie, actually. Because like a lot, a lot of what this film really relies on is the time and place like it's a period piece in some ways you know it's like um you know and i think that the viet anti-war sentiment is really what makes this film really hit hard you know no true true whereas children you you could update that setting you know what i'm saying you could kind of update that setting and and change some shit around and and still have a pretty fucking solid movie uh but yeah I, i agree with you on this one um, more of a time and place movie, definitely. Uh, so the dad is very distraught about the dog. The dad goes to a bar, you know, starts pounding him down. <laughs> yeah, this is like the descent, the the beginning of the father's descent, really. Right. Uh, he meets uh, one of his buddies who's a doctor at the bar, and the dad tells the doctor everything that's happened. And the doctor's like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know? let's go see him now let's go to the house now and blah 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 and and the doctor questions andy right uh because the doctor is or already wondering about you know the whole hitchhiker thing which is kind of the talk of the town about who is responsible because they never learned who killed the hitchhiker of course and 
you know, the doctor has Andy's number too, right? Yeah, the doctor realizes something's wrong. I mean, I don't think he uh, surmises that he's some sort of monster, though. You know what I mean? But he's like, yeah. No, no, he doesn't know. the. He just knows that Andy might be responsible for a murder, though. He doesn't know that he's like a an undead zombie demon vampire. And, yeah, and I don't know if even back then they really did much for guys coming back from war, you know, as far as like PTSD being a thing. Like that's that was before all that, I think, right? Honestly, what they did, like they, for some, they just put in asylums, bro. Like there wasn't really? like, it was like, it was not fun. It was kind of like all or nothing. It was either like they did nothing at all or they overdid it and probably really turned you into a fucking vegetable. Like there was no kind of like clear path to health, you know? Right. I feel like that didn't happen in, in American society until a little later. Although, hell, I could be wrong, but uh, I, I feel like the 70s was a time of, you know, the quote-unquote nut house and the insane asylum and, you know what I'm saying, right. shell shock and all that kind of shit, you know? Although that also came into play in uh, World War II and Korea, by the way, that, that term shell shock. Um, but as far as tr really treating PTSD, I don't know. I would say it was rather primitive at that point, yeah. 72, 74, you know, which is sad. Very sad. Probably, uh, it was probably treated with drugs and alcohol, Mike. Yeah, just you're on you're <laughs> on your own. You like beat your wife and like abuse people and you know get drunk and use drugs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and everything goes down the toilet. Um. So yeah, uh, the doctor is you know obviously sees that something wrong, uh, and the doctor then tells the dad, hey. Uh, <laughs> your son is the one who killed that truck driver. We need to get the police involved, okay? Uh, later on, Andy visits the doctor at his own home in the middle of the night, demanding a checkup. And then, of course, the doctor realizes that he has no pulse or heartbeat. And then uh, Andy says the line, I died for you, doc. Why shouldn't you return the favor? And he kills the doctor with a syringe. And then uh, we see he injects the doctor's blood into his own arm. Um, I think this is really where we see that, like, uh, or the viewer probably sees that, okay, there, there is some kind of vampirism thing going on. And, you know, I, I feel like this is kind of new new territory for, like, 74, right? Sure. This kind of vampirism, yeah. no? Yeah, it's, it's like a, once again, it's just like a different take on it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, the only thing that, again, that springs to mind a little bit is, uh, I'm going to say his name again, George Romero's Martin. Yeah, I was thinking Martin, too, you know. and mm -hmm. and it, But the implication is almost like his his body is just probably falling apart, and he needs, like, like vitality injected into it. That's where the, the he actually needs literally blood in his body. You know what I'm trying to say? Right, exactly, because exactly. Andy, at this part, too, is starting to degenerate degenerate too like his body's failing <laughs> yeah, and he, uh, sort of fall apart you know <laughs> they decide that andy's gonna go on a double date with his Dude. sister and their respective uh <laughs> their respective love interests which is the worst idea ever listeners by the way uh, that part was was so like it, it was heartbreaking too that scene that that whole segment of the movie too and also funny because there's one really funny part in it you know 
Yes, because we have one of the, the lovely actresses brought over from uh, Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things in Jane Daly as his quote unquote, you know, quote girlfriend or whatever. Right. Uh, you know, who again, she's like happy to see that her, her beau has made it home from fucking Vietnam. Um, <laughs> and uh, what do we call it? The, the sister is played by uh, Anya Ormsby who was more the, the mental case in Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things. But yeah. she's quite even-keeled as the sister, although, I, I mean, I believe she sees, obviously, her brother's fucked up, too. And then the outfit that he has on. Like, oh, boy, dude, yeah. When he comes down the stairs, he's got these, like... First of all, he looks like he's, like, the singer in, like, Death Heaven or something like that when he comes down the <laughs> stairs. He's got, like... Yeah. Well, first, and it's, like... <laughs> Florida and it's hot and it's like this dude is wearing like God knows what right yeah he's got like black leather gloves on and like these like shades and like a long sleeve shirt and um you know and and Richard Backus has cool hair he's got like this cool like like haircut too you know and he's got like that 70s model look kind of yeah good looking guy handsome handsome guy you know right right he looks like he could be in like New Order or something you know what I mean when he comes down the stairs (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah um or guest spot on a brady bunch episode as you know marsha's love interest perhaps you know something like that right um you know so they go on the <laughs> double beat to a drive-in and of course it all goes to fucking hell because andy starts like melting in the back seat right mike he's just falling apart man and and once again it's that the same kind of thing with like his girlfriend from before the war you know and he's distant you know, and, and he didn't go see her right away. And it's like, you hear, you hear stories like that, you know, where a guy comes back from combat and he doesn't know how to connect with people anymore, you know? And, and in this case, you know, he comes back, he's literally a monster and he's dangerous, you know? And like some, some of these guys that come back from war are dangerous. You know what I mean? No, totally, totally. Um, the, what is it? This, his sister and her boyfriend go to get some popcorn and soda and unfortunately, while, while they do that, uh, Andy decides to uh, attack and kill Johnny, his girlfriend. And when the sister and boyfriend come back, he's, all they see is basically like Andy on top of her. And they think that they're making out or whatever. And it turns out <laughs> that is not what is going on in the back seat, to say the least. Uh, you know, Andy gets up and starts, you know, going to town on his sister and the boyfriend. And, you know, everything kind of goes to hell, right? I, I didn't I didn't like that his girlfriend he killed his girlfriend. I, I didn't want yeah, to see her die. Yeah. I liked her. I didn't want her to die. He he kills Bob the boyfriend and then he tries to run over his sister with a car. That was a pretty fucked up scene in the drive-in uh, parking lot or whatever. Uh, he does manage to run over a patron of the parking lot, which is quite a brutal scene. Yeah, definitely a brutal scene. And this whole car chase thing on the um, children shouldn't play with dead things Blu-ray. There's a mm-hmm. uh, an, there's um an extra on there which actually talks about Bob Clark's career, and they, mm. they talk about the stunt work in this car chase with the fire and flames and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, um, he you know a, a car chase ensues with the police, um, but you know Andy actually manages to make it home, and his dad is there, and his dad's a mess, and his dad kills himself because. The son comes in the door. He's like a bloody zombie vampire mess. When this, when the dad sees that, he's just like, fuck all this. And he sadly kills himself. But, of course, the mom is standing by the son. And, you know, 
he, he gets into a car chase with the police and the police chase him to a graveyard the same graveyard where we see him in the film uh at some point spending some time there and he he, he writes something on, on a headstone at one point that we do not see until this very end of the film and it turns out he writes his birth date on it and that day that particular day in, in whatever 1972 uh i guess his death day because he knows that you know this is the end of the line for him and he, he gets into the, his own kind of coffin not coffin his own grave so to speak and uh yeah the cops come and they basically see this kind of like mess decaying body in the grave and that's just you know creepy explosion because you hear that the car exploding in the background and the mother is trying to cover up her son with the dirt. Pretty fucking sick ending. Very sad. Very heartbreaking. And and it's like the kind of thing it stays with you, man. Like I've like that. This is one of those movies that uh, affected me when I first saw it a long time ago. Similar to the other. Yeah. Remember that movie, the other. Yeah, that's a cool movie. Yeah, very. I don't like um, to think about the other. And, and same thing with Death Dream. Like I like the movie a lot, but I just don't like to think about it because it makes me very sad. You know. Yeah, and the mother, the final line in the film is spoken by the mom while she's putting the dirt on him, saying, Andy's home, some boys never come home, which is total, you know, Vietnam, uh, anti-Vietnam moment, I feel like, right? Yeah, you know, and, and hey, he came home, you know, and it's mm -hmm. like one of those things where it's like, was it? you, you kind of leaves you questioning. It's like, well, was it, you know, worth having him, having that version of him around or would it, would it have been better for him to be, you know, to stay dead, you know? Mm. That monkey's paw thing, you know? Yeah, now look, to me, like, on the negative side, the fact that we kind of just, I mean, we, we literally have, there's literally no reason for him to be back from the dead. There's no... <clears throat> real explanation other than the mom you know at the very beginning but it's not like there's no seance there's no. no you know what i'm saying it's just it's very like the your suspension of disbelief needs to be there um not a lot is explained it's just kind of you know He's back because the mom wanted him back, you know? Yeah, it's not like she was in like into witchcraft or something like that, or like worship Satan where it's you know, there was some uh, you know, like uh devilry that goes on to have him come back to life, you know. So, right. Yeah, you know, that that's 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 my criticism as well. Definitely. But it's not a good thing. Like I'm just I guess I was a little conflicted for myself that is that a good thing or not? I mean, do does it need an explanation? I kind of feel like it needs at least a base minimal explanation. A mi you minimal know? one because there's none. There's like literally no, <laughs> no, nothing to go on. Go on except that he, she wanted him. You know, he he promised her that he would come back, and he did. But this fucked up version of himself. Like even in the monkey's paw, the short story, there's a fucking monkey's paw. You know, that gives you wishes. You know, there was nothing like that in this movie, you know, which I think that's like the only thing I really have an issue with. And I, and but I, I overlook it and I still really think this is a great movie. though. Right. It's basically based on a wish. And that is what the mother's wish was. And that that's that's basically it. It's a wish. Yeah. You know, uh, it was a, a verbal spoken out loud wish on for, you know, and mom got her wish. And, you know, sometimes. You got to be careful what you wish for, as they say, right? 
Yeah, yeah, and that's exactly what the moral of this story is, you know. Um, interesting review from DVD Talk. Uh, the reason Death Dream works is that it's superior dramatic staging. The actors are excellent, especially John Marley and Lynn Carlin, both honored for their role in the John Cassavetes film Faces. Uh, Clark stages the domestic scenes with a fine simplicity, and what we remember the most are the looks of bewilderment on nicely framed faces. Yeah, we talked about the, how it works as a drama, and the acting is really good, actually, I have to say. Um, you know, uh, Death Dream, the second collaboration between Bob Clark and Alan Ormsby, is a marked artistic and technical leap forward from the pair's overrated debut feature. Debut feature, Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things. Nah, I don't think um, that's overrated. I think that's a great movie. I think it's overrated, yeah. Yeah. I think it's underrated. Uh, exactly. No one knows about the movie. So how the hell could it be overrated? It's an underrated film. This movie is an improvement over it, over it though, from a technical standpoint, right? right? And from a you know an overall film standpoint, of course, this is an improvement. It's two years later. They've got some other shit under their belt, right? You know, um, a little bit about the remake that never happened. In uh, August two thousand three, Oliver Hudson and John Stahlberg purchased the remake rights. For this film, and actually optioned for Eli Roth to direct it. Oh, I'm glad that didn't um, happen. <laughs> in February '06, Dark Lot Entertainment uh, required the rights. Um, in December of that year, they said that there would be a remake of Death Dream. By June of '08, financing falls through. Uh, there's another person attached to it in, in 2010. Uh, by the end of that year, there's no word on it, and then there were no further updates past 2010. So, yeah, no remake. Several attempts, though, in the O's to remake this film, but alas, it did not happen. Um, I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. Um, as far as our Necromaniac score, Michael, what do you give Death Dream? I give it a 4.5, man. I love both of these films. I love. I mean, actually, I love his triumvirate of horror films. You know, Black Christmas. Mm. They're like it's the finest movies I think in the genre. This one particularly, I thought, was very emotional for me. You know, I, there's, mm -hmm. there's something about the family stuff that really got under my skin. And it, one of the criticisms that someone made about this was the acting, like the overwrought acting. And I don't believe that to be true. I think that the family acting was great. I think. Uh, the guy who played Andy, Richard Backus, I think he was mm -hmm. awesome. I think he was perfect in that role. Some of the yeah. uh, townsfolk, like they have like the kind of regular people acting, was mm -hmm. like over the top, but in a weird way, it reminded me of like uh, some Twin Peaks t st style um, scenes. Yes, there was like this... that's a good comparison, Twin Peaks style. I would, yeah, yeah, like the it's townspeople, that vibe. Yeah, like the people mm -hmm. in the diner, like the truck driver, like they're they're very much salt of the earth, like American you know, Twin Peaks types, you know? Yes. I I agree with you on everything, except I'm giving it a four out of five. I think oh. I like Children Couldn't Play with Dead Things a little more than this one. Uh, I did enjoy the hell out of this one. Don't know how much I'm going to rewatch this one, um, but it is very good. It is, I would say it is essential 70s horror. Uh, if you're a fan of 70s horror, you should see this movie. And I think everyone should see as many Bob Clark films as possible. So very solid four out of five for me. Yeah, I have this on Blu-ray, actually. 
This movie. Oh, nice. Yeah, I love this movie. Uh, according to the, the, the notes here on Wikipedia, there's uh, an interview with Richard Backus. I would kind of like to see that at least. You know, see his thoughts on the movie. Yeah, the the uh, the, the daytime drama of star Richard Backus. <laughs> yeah. Man, these must have been fun movies to make, you know, you're in your 20s and you're making movies with your buddies and you got similar cast people coming back. I mean, that's just, that's a cool vibe, man, you know? Like, uh, Raimi did shit like this and other directors obviously have done it as well. You know, uh, Toby Hooper did a movie with people he knew from college and friends and it's just, I just love hearing these kind of stories come out of like the 70s and 80s, you know? Alan Ormsby looks like he'd be a cool guy to hang out with, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. He's still alive. I would fucking love to meet that yeah. guy. Yeah. He, he just yeah. seems like a fun dude. I don't know. Like like one of these quirky, like fun sort of guys, you know? Totally. Totally. Uh, he had a very minor role in this. He was like a, an onlooker or something. He's yeah. like barely in. Yeah. Ca cameo. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But blink if you, if you, you know, you'll miss it. You blink kind of moment. But uh, yeah, man. Bob Clark. Bob Clark is, is getting up there with uh, with his necromaniac coverage, huh? Yeah, he's definitely one of the guys that we we're, we're um you know he's one of those one of those filmmakers. He's a necromaniac's filmmaker. You know, he's a guy that he we sure revere him. You know, and there's a there's a list of other make other filmmakers that are like that too. No, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm I'm kind of uh, kind of looking forward to Evil Dead. Uh, maybe I'll I'll try to sneak it in this weekend. You know. Yeah. Uh, we're definitely going to cover it on the show, folks. So, don't you worry about that. I'm definitely going to see it this weekend. I just got—I'm not sure when though. Like Friday night is uh, the Joe Bob, uh, you know, drive-in. So I'm not going to. Yes, that's right. Fri Friday's right. normally the night I go when I go see films. I go to that late show at the AMC over here. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to be watching Joe Bob. Saturday might be a little iffy unless I go to like an early show because I don't want to be there with all these teenagers, you know. <laughs> and, and that's definitely going to be a movie. It's not going to be like Ennis, Ennis Maine where there's like three people in the theater or like Skinamarink or something like that. It's going to be like... Yeah, I know. No, it, it's going to do well. Yeah. It's going to do well. So it, it won't be a dead theater. No, yeah, I so doubt I, it. I might go to the matinee or something Saturday and, you know, maybe it won't, won't be that many people there, you know. Awesome. All right, listeners. Thank you for sticking around and all the years of support. Uh, we thank the new listeners, the old listeners. Uh, you're all equally important, right, Michael? That's right, man. And definitely continue with the voicemails. It's a lot of fun, man. I like to hear from everybody. And that, that number, once again, 908-913-0782. We should probably put that on an Instagram uh, post at some point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We should do that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, if you uh, have some comments or questions, hit us up on the Instagram or Facebook and uh, if you are an Apple listener, leave us one of those fun reviews. Hit that five-star button, you know? That's right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we will see you all next time. And again, thank you so much for checking out Necromaniacs Podcast. We'll talk to you next week, guys. Take care. Cheers. Cheers.